When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to season six of Comic Book Nation, the only show that does it all for geek culture and the official podcast of comicbook.com. I am your host, Kofi Outlaw, and with me in CB Studios down here in Nashville is my buddy Connor Casey. Chiefs. Janelle Wheel. <laughs> no team in the Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Here we go. Get it out. Get it out now. Uh, Janelle Wheeler's over in her home studio. <laughs> yeah, excited to be here. That's Ready to talk great. some news. Acknowledgement. All right. And uh, Matthew Wheeler, uh, Matthew Wheeler, Jesus. <laughs> Matthew Aguilar is out of here. And the moment he is in the field doing some fun Disney stuff. So we know we like to get Matt out. He loves some wrestling, some Disney stuff like that. So he's got a fun field assignment that he's doing today. So uh, Matt, take a break. We got this one. All right, if you are just getting into the show, we got some program notes at the top. Once again, Comic Book Nation is a full-fledged nation these days, so we have a lot of bonus episodes. If you are not subscribed to Comic Book Nation on your podcast platforms like Spotify, iHeartRadio, or Apple, do so now. Also subscribe to our YouTube page where we drop all kinds of bonus content that is uh, pretty awesome. So this week alone, let's just go through what we have. We have the pull list where Matt pulls the biggest comics of the week and we break them down. We had Quick Start, our video game focus segment, talking about the epic, no pun intended, news that Disney is getting into bed with Fortnite and is about to change freemium gaming for possibly ever and multimedia licensing properties. So that was a big topic to break down. So the Quick Start Gaming crew broke that down. But we also have two, not one, but two bonus episodes of Quick Start this week covering and recapping the two episodes of Halo Season 2 that were released this week. So if you are watching Halo and you want to talk or hear us kind of break it down in full spoilers, go check out those two episodes of Quick Save as well. So that's everything we've done this week so far, and that's just plenty. Uh, so make sure you check out all four of those <laughs> bonus segments in addition to this live show. 
All right, Janelle and Connor, we got a lot to do today. Uh, just from the top, we are going to be getting into our non-spoiler thoughts about Halo Season 2 so far after the uh, first two episodes. But wait, there's more. We got a bunch of news to get through because I thought this was going to be kind of a bear show. And then I started looking over things. And in the last 24 hours, there's been a lot that's happened. So yesterday was a big, busy day. Our other big topic of the day is Connor Casey is going to dig into the thing, which honestly has ruled my week. I was getting my oil changed in, in the garage. There were fights about this. The Rock <laughs> has returned to WWE, and the world seems divided, and the reasoning is questionable. And so we are going to deep dive into all of that near the end of the show. All right, back up at top. Let's get it going. I'm tired of talking. My mouth's getting dry. Connor Casey, why don't you take us through the big first news items we are jumping into today. First up, HBO is moving forward with an Aegon the Conqueror prequel series in the Game of Thrones universe, and it's got itself a writer. It's Matson Tomlin. This guy got an uncredited role as a writer on The Batman a couple years ago. He has actually been bumped up to co-writer with Matt Reeves for The Batman Part 2. That was kind of his big breakout was The Batman. He had done um, a couple of smaller no, projects. No, he had um, Project just, Power. Project Power, yeah. yeah. I just wrote him. I just literally wrote his response to getting this job, which was a funny one. He mm -hmm. said, uh, oh, I'm so looking forward to more low-key internet and interactions after right. this, um, which is hilarious. But uh, yeah, he broke out with Project Power in 2020, but he's quickly become one of the like hottest go-to writers this guy is currently working he got uncredited on the batman to help them close out that film he's mm -hmm. writing the batman too he's writing and i saw him and kind of met him when he was on stage at comic-con doing uh the panel he's writing keanu reeves berserker yep. movie he wrote he, batman the imposter back in a couple years ago I as think, a comic yeah yeah and he also yeah he does more than just movies he's um, also attached to a mega man yeah project. he was in that was the first thing that started getting his name circulating is 2018 he was attached to a mega man project okay. who knows where that is but yeah, I mean, dude, and now he's got Game of Thrones under his belt. Yeah. So dude's definitely working with a lot right now. But um, this just confirms, I think, that HBO is really moving ahead speedily with these other Game of Thrones prequels because there's this and they're already in, in development or production on that uh, The Hedge Knight. Mm -hmm. you know, the Seven Kingdoms, about another Aegon Targaryen, yeah. which is going to get hilarious which, out here. Which is not the Aegon Targaryen in the current House of the Dragon show. So to explain how this one works, we because we kind of love repeating names in Game of Thrones, this is Aegon the Conqueror. This is the guy that in two years brought the six of the Seven Kingdoms in Westeros together. Now, I know I'm putting on the nerd hat here for this one, but basically all of the events that you've seen in Game of Thrones or House of the Dragon hundreds of years prior to that, Aegon the Conqueror basically went Alexander the Great on everybody and got all of these regions to work together with the exception of Dorne, because yeah. you never can get Dorne on That was side. much later in a different... Very different. In a different Aegon. But um, yeah, but he didn't just do it alone. It was... It was him and his two sister wives, yeah. which, you know, Targaryens, we won't get into all that, but we know how they roll. Uh, but it was his sister wives who were just as fierce as he was. And their three dragons, one of the surviving dragons is the one that, uh, what's your name? Uh, the, uh, the Black Dread. Yeah, the Black Dread that they, that we see in House of the Dragon, not Aegon too, but his brother. Mm -hmm. Um that he, she he killed uh Rhaenyra's the, the one who accidentally yeah. kind of started off the whole thing at the in the yeah, season exactly. finale. So that is like Balerion or whatever the dragon's name is is one of the surviving dragons of Aegon's time. So yeah, I wrote about this when they first said this was rumored to be happening. 
And I was like, yeah, this could be really good because this is by far would be the most action-packed mm. kind of epic Game of Thrones things yet because like you said, it's two years of going out, conquering the world and forging these six out of seven kingdoms together. And so like, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to, that'd be nuts. And I'm excited for that. And I'm, I'm kind of really excited for this. And then we got the Hedge Knights show that's about how Aegon Five went out and was a squire you know, for Sir Duncan and mm -hmm. learned a whole different side of the world. So these could actually be really interesting because you have House of the Dragon showing Aegon II being this kind of crazy monster. Uh, you have this Aegon series showing a different Aegon being a conqueror. And we don't know anything about this guy. Mm -hmm. I mean, we've heard descriptions of his personality, but there's so much room to flesh that out. And then we'll see one about an Aegon who became a more benevolent and there's still possibly another series with another Aegon, which would be the Jon Snow sequel series if they ever decide to pick that up. So know your Aegons. And know them from your Egons. <laughs> all right. So I think that's all we can get into. About that. But I'm excited for this. Janelle, are you excited about this? Yeah, I'm, I, I, I wish Found they would have used different names. I wish they would have, because that's very confusing for someone like me who's a casual fan, who's never read the books, so... Yeah, it gets nuts. And they and they sometimes just say Aegon. They don't always put the number by it. And so you're just like, wait, yeah. What? Like literally the whole confusion at the end of House of the Dragon season one is the guy says Aegon, and you're like, wait, do you mean Prince Aegon or do you mean this Aegon? And it's like, this is literally how a war starts. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Okay. Um, Connor, you had uh, another one. I got one more. This one dropped in pretty late. Uh, Coyote versus Acme, which was a live action Roger Rabbit type hybrid. Uh, it was going to have John Cena. Um, this one's getting shelved, guys. Uh, Warner oh. Brothers Discovery uh, initially said, hey, we're going to pull a Batgirl with this one and have it be a tax write-off. And then a bunch of people came out and said, actually, maybe try and just get someone else to host this. So they went to Paramount. They went to Amazon. They went to Netflix. And reportedly, they had a much bigger asking price than what any of the streaming services were willing mm -hmm. to comply with. So this thing is going to go the way of the Dodo. And unless there's some very questionable leak in the future you're probably never going to see this one and it sucks it's another terrible indicator for the industry um yeah I'm, I'm not thrilled with this one yeah i mean i got the batgirl thing on the level of if you're going to be trying to like build this franchise out and where it was going why you didn't want to jump into that this seems like I'm I'm super curious why they just didn't have faith in this one. It's, Maybe the it's in, budget it, was like it's smiling. in our story. David Zaslav has not seen this. Oh, okay. <laughs> they just don't have faith in it, I yeah. guess. Because Chip and Dale didn't do well, or in that Tom and Jerry movie didn't do well. I I, I got nothing. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm super man. I don't even know. What I, I need someone to still explain to me how the tax write-off part works. Yeah. I need a CPA to explain uh, this. It's a whole, I mean, I don't want to get too businessy, but like it, when you do this, it, it's, it's a movie. So making a movie is always riddled with risk. It's right. so, such a high risk venture that you basically put in indemnifications that if something were to go wrong, if the production, if somebody dies, if the production burns down, something like this, you can, you can recoup those losses as a tax write-off by mm -hmm. doing it. But the key to this is you can't make a tax write-off. It's for a dead thing that you thought you were going to make you thought you were going to make money off of, but for whatever reason, it, it became a quagmire or somebody died. Like I said, you, you that's no longer feasible. Mm -hmm. And so you recoup some of your money. Um, but but yet yeah, the, the caveat is once you do that, you cannot make money off that property in any single kind of way 
or you're going to get your ass sued to high heaven. Um, and so like, yeah, it's a death. It's basically just a death bell for everybody who was involved with the project. Mm -hmm. Like, and you can't do anything. The director can't do anything. The stars, you're like, I worked three years on this and they're like, great, we own it. And we don't think it's going to make enough money or it's not feasible anymore to market or whatever. We're going to write it off. And this happens quite more than we think. Mm -hmm. There are movies that just get shelved and written off. There are movies that get shelved and they don't know yet what to do with them. And then they wait and then like a star becomes a bigger star. And then all of a sudden some Sydney Sweeney movie we've never seen. I think that's happening with her playing a nun in some convent. It's some movie they're pushing out. Who knows when she filmed that, right? And it's just like, yeah, it, it, but it is totally legal as long as you don't make money off of it ever and use any kind of merchandising in it. But this seems like it would have been an easy win in some form or fashion, streaming something, but I guess not. But I could also see the budget of it going kind of crazy and not coming together. But, oh, well, R.I.P. Coyote versus Acme. Moving over to the MCU, Janelle. We yeah. have some news coming out that way. Yeah, I have some fun news instead of sad news because I'm bummed about that uh, as well. And it's about Daredevil. Um, I feel like a lot of... What? What? I think it seems fun. Okay, go ahead. Oh, no. All right. Uh, listen, news is news. It makes me happy. So uh, Born Again has finally um, has some leaked photos revealing like the first look of these costumes for Matt Murdock and Bullseye. Um, I'm actually really curious what you think now because I, I actually like loved the look of, of Daredevil. But, you know, Bullseye, I mean, Bullseye looks like bullseye right like nothing crazy uh now i'm confused tell me what's going on what why don't we don't like um, them uh well first let me say just the first caveat that i okay. don't react to set photos anymore no okay um, i had to do this i'm in my 16th 17th year of doing this job in like yeah i learned somewhere in the 2010s during the mcu and dceu kind of ramp ups like don't go off set photos we all start analyzing them. We're looking at the actor. We're like, oh, they don't look tall enough. They don't look this. They don't look that. It's a set photo. Like yeah. The whole reason we have movies and post-production is real life doesn't look like the movies. They That's uh, magic that they apply afterwards to make mm -hmm. it look like a movie or a TV show. So you have to kind of wait for that and you have to wait to see how it plays because you're seeing a full body thing, but a lot of those shots are not going to be full body. And they're not also like color that. correction and like color shooting correction, angles yeah, and what your proper lighting. Like. Yeah. yeah, exactly. All of that. And so like, I don't mind it because it's part of the game. If you're filming outside, people are going to snap photos. Fans are eager. Some right. of them, a lot of them don't want to wait and that's fine. But um, I, I just think you got to take a proper critical frame on that and be like, okay, I know what I'm looking at. Here's the concept. Let's see what happens in the end. So I don't react, but the internet surely did react. <laughs> and the biggest thing in like the internet and like fanboys, the first thing that people have centered on and not let go of like a bone is that neither one of these costumes have logos on them. There's no DD for Daredevil and there's no target for Bullseye. People have gone in and digitally added them saying, that's so easy in all of this stuff. But again, like, guys, we don't know the production of this in the production plans mm -hmm. there could be logos that they add digitally because trying to film outside on location and make the logo show up right and do all that may not be as feasible you may have to just go in and add digital coloring to it anyway in the end so i'm not saying that's what they're doing but i'm just saying these we don't know yet it's a little early to freak out 
Now, the bullseye thing, I get a little bit more. Because uh, bullseye typically does not have a costume that looks anything like what we're seeing in this. Um, he doesn't wear a bunch of holsters and stuff. Although I get it that this version of bullseye would actually use more guns and stuff because why not mm-hmm. uh a comic book character is a comic book character but yeah but uh, then again like at the same time again set photos number one and s- number two like if we all could get past the colin farrell version of bullseye with <laughs> a 2000s leather jacket black shirt and a weird scar in his forehead like, I think we can be okay with this and at least give Wilson Bethel, a person we've known to be a pretty awesome bullseye, a chance to see what happens when he's cooking in this. Also, I'm not, like, too mad. I, I'm kind of adjusting to the fact that I want my MCU's TV shows to be TV shows, to mm-hmm. be entertaining as TV shows, not cut up weird MCU mini-movies. Mm-hmm. And so, like, if we have to do it on a TV, more TV budget, like, yeah, Marvel Netflix still works for me. And I that agree. That's so a great point. I'm not going to freak out about this. Like, these should be movie level costumes. And what does that even mean anymore? Half the time yeah. we see movie level costumes and we're like, we don't like those either. Mm-hmm. So I, I was good with it as the basis. I'm curious to see what they do with the finished product. I mean, to that point, I like some of Grant Gustin's Flash costumes better than the Ezra Miller looks. So I agree. Television, there's a deep rabbit hole there of, hey, TV sometimes beats what the movies come up with. But as for this, my initial reaction to the Daredevil look was, to be honest, I've never liked any of the red suits they've put him in. Um, mm. the, the cloth Frank Miller one from the early Daredevil season one, that looked fun. When they got him in the full red suit at the end of season one, I was like, yeah, it looks fine in the dark. But when they have when he's in the daylight, it just looks kind of awkward. And they never quite figured out how to get that right. And even the even the She-Hulk one where they threw in like the gold on there, it's like, eh, this, this doesn't work for me. But the point is, is that Daredevil almost is always working in low lit areas. So it doesn't matter as much. And you saw uh, what we saw was a photo with someone with a big old flash <laughs> taken at night. We have no idea what the staging looked like. We have no idea what the post-production stuff is going to add to it. So I completely ignore- dismissed it as, yeah, this is what it looks like without the miracle of modern filmmaking. And as for the Deadshot one, how do that bullseye? bullseye. One, sorry, sorry. Too many, too many snipers in this industry. <laughs> but uh, as for the bullseye one, like. How do we know that's not his final look? How do we know he doesn't build he he this what we saw was this is what I was able to pull out of my closet and mm-hmm. it's going to evolve over time. Yeah, I mean, even if it's not bullseye just a mass gunman who's not trying to be bullseye right then like yeah. that whole if he's doing a job for Fisk or whatever like if he's just an assassin and we don't know anything about him until Daredevil like we don't know how this is all playing out. Yeah. So, yeah, there's a bunch of interesting things to figure out but uh the internet's going to internet yeah, yeah. I, I feel like for me, just any news on something that I'm excited about dropping, it's in production, it's happening, it, that makes me excited. So I'm like, okay, I mean, they're out there, they're working on it, it's going. So yeah. that's why I get, ha- I call it happy news. <laughs> Guys, this is a Daredevil show now. It is not a legal, <laughs> pr- legal procedural where we don't barely see Daredevil in the first True. three episodes. Let's all keep in mind where we've been. 
before we get all mad about where we're going. Even though I kind of <laughs> want to see him do his lawyer stuff. So do I, but yeah, like, so that I. show sounded so whack that I'm glad it's dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of things that are also kind of possibly dead, Janelle. Yes, yes. This is this was leading me to our next uh, point of news. So multiple Marvel movies were missing from the Disney CEO's theatrical schedule, which is, again, one of those things where I'm kind of freaking out because I'm very excited about Blade. Um, This past week, there's been a lot of announcements about all the things that are coming up to release in 2025. Um, This includes all the Marvel projects that they're excited about, as well as Utopia, Avatar 3. Um, They even went into 2026 with Frozen 3 and Toy Story. I don't know why we need these, but whatever. Um, They're Moana, just tons of stuff. Um, And what they highlighted was Captain America, Brave New World, and then Fantastic Four for Marvel. But there was no mention of Blade, which super freaked me out, and Thunderbolts, which I think a lot of fans are kind of going, wait, these were set for like 2025. Why is this not even being talked about? So uh, that's kind of kind of sus <laughs> at yeah, the no, moment. I was, I was on that Disney investors call because we have to be. And it yeah. was more than that. Bob Iger straight up just said in the most, I think in the clearest that Bob Iger tends to ever get, which was like, yeah, things have changed. Like there are things we didn't think we were going to push. Now we're pushing those. Like there were things we thought we were going to push. We ain't pushing those no more. And there were things that might just die off. And yeah, you're going to have to deal with it basically. Um, because I think that yeah bob Iger's come in and kevin feige and kind of gotten back with kevin feige and they're back to just erasing this chapek era of let's throw everything at the wall it's big franchises big characters big 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 things that are going to make big money and if they don't have confidence in that they're not putting money behind these projects i'm curious if blade's going to survive anymore we've heard so much of a mess with what should have been a very simple series or a simple movie concept blade now in the mcu mcu supernatural was already getting built out by werewolf by night and stuff Mm -hmm. awesome double oscar winning actor as blade what's not to love right we cracked this code in 1998 but you know marvel again it just seems like we've complicated so much stuff for the sake of complicating stuff or trying to do twists on traditional stories and i don't think that's where (laughs) bob Iger's going no I think Bob Iger's going back to the big things or figuring out how to make certain Marvel properties into big things that sell big tickets. So I don't think, yeah, I'm worried about Blade. And even though it was so far down the pipeline, I'm worried about Thunderbolts because it it sounds like it was just going to be kind of a weird Suicide Squad movie to set up some big reveal at the end like centuries here or something like that and it was supposed to be like a game changer for the mcu right after uh captain america so i'm very curious about what they're going to do with that now because that's a lot of people to pull together and if they're not confident in it or they're not confident in the director the script whatever Mm -hmm. yeah see my thing with thunderbolts was a you're right it did feel like let's try and hop on the suicide squad train because james gunn made it cool again But it also was threaded by a lot of subplots in the different Disney Plus series. And maybe that's what they're trying to get away from to where they went. You know what? We don't need all these actors in this big team up movie from a bunch of shows that underperformed. Let's let's push aside. 
As for the Blade one, to quote the great Wesley Snipes, some mofos always trying to be ice skating uphill. I'm not okay with it. Because I that, that seemed like such an obvious layup. They started uh, cutting it up at Eternals like we're already there. It, it, it's, it's simple. Daywalker, fighting vampires, maybe Werewolf by Night shows up. Very easy. And we, we got it right twice in an era when you did not get superhero movies right. I don't know why this is a struggle. And fit it in a universe, you already did it. Partner him with a guy who has a blade that can drink souls and see where that leads you and make it a MacGuffin. So now it's not just Blade. He's got to protect goofy, non-combatant guy who has important sword and ends up becoming Black Knight by the end. Like, seems pretty easy to me. I don't know. I don't know. I'm getting tired of the that's, MCU, that's guys. The second. I, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, but I'm getting tired of the MCU. That it's is, just the, that is the second time MCU has fumbled Mahershala. Yeah. How do you do that? I don't know. <laughs> But I'm getting tired of this, man. Like, this whole franchise is just getting tiring at this point. It's been like just, I feel like there hasn't been a real MCU franchise since Endgame. It's just been a lot of mess. Nothing like really one off. Thing I had on. Yeah. Yeah. Except but I did watch Marvels. Marvel. I streamed Marvels last night. And I will say, I had a great time. And even oh, my yeah, husband no. was like super oh, into it. It got yeah, such yeah. a bad rap and it, it makes me sad. Yeah, such a fun film, but like Mur murdered in the editing booth was, yep. was my takeaway. Again, mm. they can't decide to make like just a fun film. It was like it's got to be fifty other things. Like, mm -hmm. oh so, yeah, I'm kind of getting tired of the MCU, and I don't. I think everybody's hanging their hat this year on Deadpool three, and if Deadpool three ain't <laughs> Deadpool three, we are all imagining. I'm kind of out, man. I'm gonna be kind of out. I know nobody cares about that. It doesn't affect a single dollar, but I'm just telling you. Because I feel like I won't be the only one. All right. Thought this was going to be a happy segment, Janelle. <laughs> Gosh no. darn it. Hey, I won't be out. I'm a, I'm an MCU lover, ride or die. So <laughs> All right. there's your happy. <laughs> yeah, give me that Young Avengers. Just bring it back. Bring me something happy. Dude, Just bring yes. Bring me Young Avengers. That yes. We again with. We need so to ready for that. Uh, here's something to make everybody happy. Grenade. If you've never watched Grenade. this show in a long time, we like to throw grenades. Surprises. I love this. Yo, when so you link one, this. This one is for you, Connor Casey, going into uh, Super Bowl week since you're feeling yourself so much. Christopher Nolan has come out as a fan of the Fast and Furious series. My man not just said he's a fan of the Fast and Furious series. He said, forget those first two. It's the mythology one that I love. Start with Tokyo Drift and lock in. Christopher Nolan, king of cinema. Fast and Furious, man. <laughs> How you feeling? As a man who praised Oppenheimer and crapped on Fast X. I, you 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 act like I'm surprised. Like I, I I've read Christopher Nolan interviews. This guy likes the goofy stuff. I actually looked this one up because this dude famously loves James Bond. And if you watch Inception, that's kind oh of his God, answer God. to what a James Bond movie would be. He was actually asked fairly recently what are his favorite Bond films. Do you want to know what his picks were? Yeah. Twas on his on. Her Majesty's Secret Service, so the one Lazenby movie. Yeah, Lazenby. Good, good pick. And uh, The Spy Who Loved Me, Roger Moore. Yeah, not, not the, hey, let's just adapt the books, Sean Connery, not the super serious Daniel Craig stuff, which honestly started to ape Nolan's style a little bit as those went along. No, he likes the goofy stuff. Th this dude likes camp. This dude likes ridiculous action. This dude likes spectacle. Now, the when he takes it, he takes it in his own direction, which is nonlinear and blah and gray but yeah this dude 
Nolan is uh, contains multitudes. I wasn't surprised. You were. I I saw the label on the run sheet. You're like grenade. I'm like I'm not surprised. So you ready to put some more respect on Fast and Furious's name? On some of them, not Fast X. <laughs> on that franchise name. I like Fast. Tokyo Five. Drift is my favorite, so I loved that he's like start there. I'm like yes. <laughs> yeah, I thought this was hilarious. I was just thinking about film Twitter having an aneurysm over the fact <laughs> of all the people who are like, because this this summer was perfect. It was like Oppenheimer's, Nolan. This is movies. Fast X. Screw this. This isn't movies. And I'm like, I'm always here. D- didn't when no- Fast X opening day comes, it's like. It might be an annual parade, like for me, an annual cultural parade. I'm going in with all my fast heads. I'm turning my brain off. I'm getting that popcorn and baby. Didn't Nolan say he saw Barbie and loved it? Yeah, I mean, Did I, I imagine I, that. No, no, I think, uh, yeah, that was during Barbenheimer, but yeah. I would expect that. But mm-hmm. hearing him actually just because there's a video to it, and he, I mean, he fans out, he gets into it. Like he's really breaking down Fast and Furious movies. And I think that's the best thing because film Twitter sucks so bad. And like you guys, <laughs> and uh, this is just, I, I like to see things because then it gets real quiet out there when this happens. Crickets. Like, oh, I love Nolan. Everything he says is great. <laughs> oh, he likes Fast and Furious. I don't know how to react to that. I have so many past tweets crapping on Fast and Furious. I don't know what to do here. This man made a Batman trilogy, guys. Get with it. Yeah. So, what's <laughs> some respect on Fast and Furious's name? That's the grenade. All right. Moving along. And we have no idea what's happening with that franchise, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, no idea what's happening with that. So, we're going to get at least a we, couple more. We might actually have a follow up to that subject later on in this episode. Yes, we will. Ooh. All right. So, let's go over into the trailer park. Uh, you know, it's Super Bowl weekend this weekend, and we didn't have like too much to do there i don't know how many of these trailers we're gonna i mean maybe back on monday or something for a bonus can we talk about patrick Ooh, that'd be fun. Going, hey arnold up the side of a cliff while yeah. free oh, that, plays oh yeah that paramount commercial is the paramount plus commercial for this year is epic if you have not seen it and this is not just us hawking the company product it is it stopped everything in comic book slack when it came out because everybody on the job had to stop and be like wait what am i seeing it is a hilarious they go back to that up the mountain theme which is the Paramount Plus thing, but they get, I mean, Drew Barrymore, Patrick Stewart, SpongeBob, hey, Arnold, but I think, isn't there a, isn't there an athlete in there? Uh, Tua Tungavailoa is in there. Peppa Pig is Peppa in Pig's there. Peppa in there, yeah. yeah, and they're all trying to figure out how to get up the mountain, and it goes really off the rails bananas by the end. Love yeah. that. Yeah, Patrick Stewart saying, throw the child is, is <laughs> now that cinema to me. Throw the child! <laughs> um, like, yeah, but it, it is a fantastic it is so far, I think, my favorite big game spot so far. So we may be back on Monday or something to kind of just break down what happened in the Super Bowl reveals we got, but that's not now. I got to get through today. Uh, what we have already that we want to talk about is a couple trailers coming from the Paramount camp. Uh, first up is A Quiet Place Day One. Um, guys, man, I got to say, as this series goes on, it is growing on me as one of my favorite horror franchises, uh, maybe of all time. Like, it, it's just, it is so good, like, what John Krasinski has built with his franchise, um, how part two kind of built on part one and was so, like, thrilling and compelling in such different ways than part one was. Because part one had a lot of the gimmick with the quiet and all that, but part two had, like, I mean, almost, like, Hitchcockian perfection of tension, split storylines and all this stuff. This is the thing I think we've all been waiting for as the big, because this started us with more of an indie vibe, 
And now this is the kind of the movie that's going to get into the meat and potatoes of it. What happened in this invasion in a place like New York City? Mm -hmm. Um, And this trailer, I I really enjoyed this trailer, mostly because it clearly understands that it's not the monster mayhem that's really going to sell this. It's the strength of actors like Lupita Nyong'o and Jaimon Hanzu, who is the connective thread with part two, obviously, in this. Um, But... Yeah, this looks like a Lupita showcase, and I am always here for that. Uh, There's already just shots and scenes in this trailer that I know are going to stick with me, like her passed out with the dust all over her face and waking up and just seeing humanity get full-on invaded. It already looks like those sequences alone are going to be kind of just really great. I mean, I loved the kind of opening sequence in part two that showed us what it was like for Krasinski's family in their small town mm-hmm. on day one. But this is like whole other level yeah. of sequence. So what'd you guys think of this trailer? This is going to be a slaughter. This, this is going to be brutal and I'm, I'm all for it. And I was like, you know, the, the quiet, I'm not, I'm not the biggest horror guy and the quiet place is one of those where it's like, Oh, I'm going to be tense through this whole thing. Aren't I? And I am <laughs> with, but you, you got Jaimon, you got Lupita. Two great actors who are going to anchor this thing. I'm I'm all for it, Janelle. Because yeah. you are always iffy about horror. Yeah, well, I I love post apocalyptic and because of like Walking Dead stuff, and I love alien stuff, spacey stuff. So like, it's such a beautiful combination of all of those things and horror that this is the type of horror that gets me like really excited. Uh, When I watched this, I was watching it on my phone and halfway through it, I was like, you know what? This isn't doing it justice. And I moved to my laptop to watch it on a bigger screen because I was just living for it. And I actually talked about this in my stream and I was trying to tell people how excited I was. I had a few naysayers. I had quite a few people that were like, eh, it's boring. I like real horror. Like this isn't even... And I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about because this looks so frightening and so rewarding for anyone who has been watching these. And, you know, like obviously what you said, like seeing that an original family and dealing with it like in the woods. But holy crap, what happens when it all just hits the fan like i'm so excited this is i'm more excited about this than like deadpool at this point no i need a good i need a good big budget and really good horror film because i feel like it's been a minute yeah because i've got i've seen like okay ones but a really good one has been a minute and so i am really looking forward to this yeah just so much yeah pumped all right i don't want to gush too much about it but like you said i think we hit all (laughs) the big points um but yeah, I was the same way. I was like, as soon as this trailer started, I was like, yeah, I need to be in a theater for this one. Like, uh, this ain't going to be like a streaming for me. This Absolutely. Is, I need to see, um, having lived in New York and things like that, I want to see oh, yeah. sequences and all that kind of, you know, the iconic stuff. But, woof, yeah, this is the franchise right here, baby. I mean, and, even uh, the trailer, my heart is like pounding out of my chest watching this. Yeah, like, there's just such good things. Like that scene under the car we just watched, if you're watching the live show, like, in, a nor- in like a lot of movies, it would be just the guy trying to pull her out from under the car while the monster's trying to get him. And this one, they take it up a notch because even when you're scared about that, then all of a sudden the car itself starts collapsing on her. And I'm claustrophobic as hell. So that was Me like, too. <laughs> yep. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> that is like my nightmare. And I was just like, oh Lord. So yeah, I think we're just kind of, we're, we're just going over it in circles. But um, I'm really fans. enjoying the franchise. And yeah. <laughs> this looks like it could be a really good, and a chapter that really blows this whole 
thing open wide mm-hmm. open into like the larger story of what's going on like that walking dead episode six type deal you know what i mean yeah um, so yeah that and then we still have part three because part two definitely left us in a place where where this could all come back around to Correct. whatever happens in this movie really being a factor in part three whether it's lupita's character or whatever it is so looking forward to that all right matt's not here but we had to keep his spirit alive today and I had to highlight uh, two big spin-off series from very popular children's franchise. I got an eight and a five-year-old, so I know both of these are always streaming on Paramount Plus in my house. So the first thing we had up was Tales of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which is the continuation of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem. So when that movie came out, a movie that I think we all were pretty impressed by and, you know, screw the Oscars for not recognizing that, but... Mm-hmm. We also knew soon after that, you know, Mutant Mayhem was getting a sequel, but also a TV series that continued where that movie left off with the Ninja Turtles being kind of exposed to the public, welcomed into a New York high school and starting to live like real teenagers. So this series picks up with that storyline. And I was kind of pleasantly surprised because I didn't know what format it would take because Mutant Mayhem was such a unique look, and I knew they weren't going to replicate that. They can't. Right. They can't. So, in an animated series. But I was pleasantly surprised by the look and design of this. It still feels like it captures that zany kind of teenage energy of the movie, and in a kind of animated series that looks almost like a comic book, but in a comic book, I would think fits this universe. So, I was actually pleasantly surprised by this, and I'm kind of excited to kind of continue with this version of Ninja Turtles. Uh, Connor, what'd you think? I was shocked that I think we're about to go for three straight really good turtle series because we have the mid 2010s rise and now this. Yeah. I, kids are eating good now because we had to wait back in my day. We had you, you had either you had to find the reruns of the really old ones or wait for the 2003 one to get good. Yeah. So th- this looks awesome. Love that the voice cast is back. Love that they were able to transfer the old, the animated series from the movie, the animates animation style into something that's I I got to assume a little bit easier to recreate and make more episodes out of. This look, I I finally got around to watching uh, Mutant Mayhem a few weeks ago. Loved it. I'm on board for this. You know, I know you're yeah. also just like horror. You could be. You could be hit or miss on. I mean, but this is like it is what it is. It's this is like a kids thing, and it's cute, and obviously nostalgia for me because I grew up with the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. So anything, you know, on the lines of that, this just feels so purely Nickelodeon, and and I love that. Um, it feels like a throwback from my childhood, and uh, yeah, the voice actor sounded great, and it actually got me wanting to go to stream the movie because I haven't seen it. Oh, so, what? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. You got stream that. It's so I know. I, now yeah. I'm going to because yeah, of this trailer. So they and did the a soundtrack great soundtrack alone. You're going to be like, oh, my God. You were a 90s hip hop kid. This soundtrack alone. Yes. Like, oh, I'm yeah. excited. Yeah. Oh, it's great. Uh, to be to, to be able to see Mutant Mayhem first again. <laughs> you will never order a bacon, egg, and cheese the same way again. Yeah. Ooh. Uh, finally, for this first half of the show, we had the trailer for Knuckles, the spinoff from the Sonic the Hedgehog movies, which now define my son's childhood. Uh, he is a massive Sonic fan, so to get him <laughs> to behave last night, I said, "Look, buddy, if you behave, I got a surprise for you." And he was like, oh, so he like he was on his best behavior. Finally, he was like, what's the surprise? And I played this trailer for him and he was just like, 
he was just froze. He was so excited. He can't wait for April to get here. Yeah, kids love this Sonic movie series, which is admittedly having been forced to watch them a half dozen times each. Um, it's one of the better video game adaptations I've seen. So I don't know what surprised me more that they got Idris Elba back for the series or that they used Nuck If You Buck for the freaking show. Which was brilliant. so awesome. I believe that. When I started playing, I was like, no, you didn't. <laughs> Nuck If You so awesome no idea. i'm like on the floor cracking up i'm like oh man uh everybody's to one of the south's favorite 2000s drive-by songs now in a knuckles trailer we've come so far oh boy but um yeah uh sonic universe is is it's great kids love it and uh my homeboy i always forget this actor's name i think it's adam something i uh, but uh he's the guy from iron man 3 and stuff like yeah He's great. And this just looks like it's going to be a ton of fun again. And I even like the villain they got and they put some budget into the series. The character yeah. design and everything still look up there with the film. So yeah, I'm enjoying Sonic. It's stupid fun. The kids love it. And uh, yeah, this Knuckles spinoff looks great because Knuckles deserves a spinoff. Mm -hmm. We all know that. And Absolutely. we're literally getting Sonic 3 and Knuckles in the same year. Yep. So everything yeah, that's old is new again. Paramount is not sleeping on this franchise, nor should they because I swear to God, if my son keeps asking me when Sonic 3 gets here, I'm going to flip out. Um, <laughs> all right. That's our Paramount Showcase. Uh, like I said, after the Super Bowl, I'm sure we're going to have more to talk about in terms of media, trailers, and all of that. So we'll see about getting in here next week and doing that. We are going to take a break, a very overdue break. But when we come back, our big items of the week are going to be our Halo 2 review and breaking down this WWE situation with The Rock. Be sure to return for that. reflecting as we go into the super bowl on the 2023-2024 nfl that left a lot of gamblers broke uh except uh, or low paid because everybody thought this casey's thing was happening but getting back to our show our main topic of the day is halo the halo live action tv series is back for season two on paramount plus and as i said at the start of the show if you're looking for a more spoiler filled kind of breakdown of episode one and episode two uh, that were both released on Thursday this week. We have them in our quick save show segment. Go on the podcast feed or go on the Comic Book Nation YouTube page and join us for those discussions. This is just our review of Halo Season 2. So far, I wrote the review for comicbook.com. I think we ended up with a 3.5 out of 5 score for it. And then I titled the review Better Equipped for the Fight because that's how I feel about Halo Season 2. It was actually shocking to go back. And as I started to watch the Season 2 screeners, I got four episodes. Um, and I went back afterwards to go look at Season 1. It is shocking how much different this season really is. You forget what the hollow green screen sets felt like in season one, how convoluted the story was with Master Chief and Cortana and McKay and, and her as the blessed one. We had a whole like insight into the covenant and through her and all that. And all and then Quan and Soren, which they dropped Quan <laughs> like in episode seven when I looked back. She was she was dropped near the midpoint of the series and never showed up again. Mm -hmm until this season and so it was it was a mess and like i know we were just getting halo for the first time in live action but 
yeah, after seeing these first four episodes and looking at that, it is clear what a big jump there was. Not just in the usual things you would expect from like production, budget, all of that, but just the writing, the creative direction, the kind of obvious slim down and, and more considered focus per episodes is vastly improved. That said, I don't think Halo is still perfect. I still think it drags in places. I still think there's almost too much in the show still, um, even though if they can bring it all together and I don't want to spoil anything, I think that will be better as the season goes along. But I do come away feeling like this is a completely different show uh, from what we got in season one and in the in a good way. I thought the season two premiere was a, a very much a statement from, you know, new showrunner David Wiener who wrote that episode and what they just kind of put you into and how quick it is. Mm -hmm. It's like, no, guys, we're we're not playing around this season. Like, we're going to give you Halo action. We're going to give you intrigue. We're going to give you some thrills and mysteries and things like that. It's going to be focused. It's going to feel like a TV show. Yeah. And this does that. I also love that the Spartan Silver team, they that they realize, oh, these can't be like just weird background characters that they made the sense, the, the kind of Spartans, the center of the show mm -hmm. and gave every actor in that four person ensemble more spotlight. Because for me, that's been the strongest difference is the team. It's not master chief talking to himself and Cortana and all that. It's the dynamics between this team and picking characters that kind of stood out to me in the first season, like Kai, uh, Va uh Vonic, Riz, like, and especially in episode two, you see how this show can be propelled because episode two, there is no real action sequences. There's no fights. There's no conflict. It's very much a, a, a status quo moving of the pieces episode, but I found it very compelling and interesting as an episode and the way it's paced from a, a mystery we get at the beginning that kind of progresses throughout the episode to the interpersonal drama that kind of carries it. So it's better. It's still not perfect, but I, I think that it is a worthier uh, adaptation of Halo, at least for me. Yeah, I, I listened to the reviews you and Matt did on QuickSave, and you're absolutely right that when Silver Team is on screen and they're me they're playing with those dynamics, the show actually works. When it's anything else, I quickly lose interest. There's a lot of bloat in this show and a lot of unnecessary tangents where I just go, can we just get back to Master Chief, please? And what's funny is I started season one back when it first dropped because, hey, I, I grew up with Halo. I was the perfect age for it. Um, Halo 3 on Xbox 360 was an event in my upbringing. And I remember thinking season one and just being like, no, nope, this ain't working at all. I'm out. And with season two, like you said, the step up in overall quality is immediately apparent. But I eventually came to terms with what this show is, and it's fox slash netflix's lucifer it is here is the absolute bare minimum connection to the original source material with lucifer it's hey satan leaves hell starts a bar the actual show is a cop procedural had nothing to do with the comics halo the games are about an entirely different thing the show has master chief it has the spartans it has names like the reach and the covenant and the elites but over, but outside of that, it's it's kind of a futuristic cop procedural again, where it's just hey, it's it's there's a here's a military group, there's some there's some espionage, some intrigue, some back 
backdoor dealings that they don't know about fully. And if you're if you're sitting there hoping for, okay, we're on reach, uh, the covenant showed up on reach. Well, if you know what happened to reach, you know that that could be very bad. I have no confidence that they're actually ever going to get to that. I'm still waiting for them to get to the halo rings. I'm waiting for the flood to finally show up. Is that cave painting grave mind? I don't know, but I'm not going to wait two more seasons to find out. So I, this is this for what this is. It's okay. I can say that. And I know because they gave us the batch of four episodes for a reason mm. and tell you that there is going to be a definite two part arc to this season. And I can tell you that the, unlike season one, no, we are not going to be waiting forever for some pretty big drastic things to happen that yeah, things, the pace of the season will be much different, but again, not free of all the problems you're discussing, but I know that the pacing and, and, what is set up after the four episodes will be, I think, pretty compelling to a lot of fans. So, Janelle. Yes. I'm always curious about your stake and your kind of relationship with Halo in general. Yeah. Well, I played Halo a lot in college. It was like a, a moment. Um, I was terrible at every weapon except for sword and shotgun. So uh, it's killing oh, me that like... Yeah, I'm like, man, why won't they just pick up the sword and use the sword? Please just pick it up. Just pick up the sword. That's all I can think of. But I only watched the first two episodes as well. Um, and so with those two first episodes, I will say like one kind of hooked me more than two. Um, there is a lot of interesting lore that maybe I didn't gather from the game. I never played the entire game through. I always would just get in yeah, lobbies. You know Nobody knows the story of Halo. Okay. Only the hyper nerds who read the books and all the that, expanded stuff are the only people who know. The okay. Rest played that game for years and have no idea. <laughs> shoot Covenant, shoot Flood. Two things you got to do. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. Well, I definitely, uh, there are times then that I feel a little lost. Like I'm like, so what is the point of all this? Like what is actually happening? Why are they doing certain things? Um, but overall, like I think the action is super fun. Um, I love the actor, this actor. Oh my gosh. I can't remember his name. He played Klaus and vampire diaries <laughs> and I loved him in that. And he was also in Titans. Yeah. Um, Joseph Morgan. Yeah. Joseph Morgan. Thank you. Gosh, I can't believe it. Love him. I love him so much. He's such a good villain. I like he is so stinky and I just love him. He's so good in that role. Um, it, yeah, it it's very it does feel like the story that kind of like hops all over the place, but not so much where I don't I don't it's not like I don't understand what's happening. So um, I'm just hoping that, like you said, in the next couple of episodes, everything kind of threads together a little bit more. Yeah, there are some pretty impressive action bits coming our oh way. yeah you can see that in the trailer it's not a spoiler yeah i look forward to this images you see yeah. things with something like uh yeah you can see that guardians of the galaxy three style fight that's in a hallway and things like that there's some impressive action in here uh much more impressive than what we got in season one so mm -hmm. all in all it was you... interesting i watched this and marvels in the same day so i'm starting to get a little convoluted like i'm like wait what happened here did that happen in Mar no that right. didn't so master chief <laughs> broke out into song he wore a fabulous <laughs> he's really a princess yeah, on another planet lanes before they collapsed uh i forget but um uh, real quick, like a fleeing guys section though they both like were fleeing from a demolished planet situation so that yeah, was interesting 
Um, yeah. Would you guys, based on what you've seen in these two episodes, would you, if people were, the people who are on the fence who are like, okay, I gave season one a chance, but I, I'm like, I don't know if I'm jumping in for season two, would you recommend it? If you're telling me that there's more coming in these next couple episodes that'll keep me hooked, I'll stick around. But I think for common Halo fans, a lot of them wrote off season one for a variety of reasons. And all the promise of season two, hey, guys, we got a new showrunner. We're, we're, we're taking a different focus with this now. It looks better. That might get some of them back in. But unless you say the flood is finally here, they're on the rings. Um, we're, we're dealing with Covenant. We're getting to some of while the story, you're right is not well followed. There are certain set pieces where people go, oh, I remember that. I want to do that. I want to see that in live action. When you go and tell someone, hey, the flood finally showed up, that's going to get people to come in. So if you're telling me something like that's on its way, I'm not saying it's necessarily the flood. I don't know. I haven't seen the other two episodes. If you tell me something like that's on the way, I will absolutely stick around, and I know more people will too. All right. Janelle, did you say? Yeah, uh, yeah, I highly recommend it um, because it, here's the thing: it's there's no harm in just at least trying this first episode of season two um, and and seeing if it intrigues you at all. I I felt like there were there was definitely like intrigue. There was definitely like your heart's kind of like stopped. It, it's it's def, I, for me. It was a it was a vibe. Like the first episode was totally a vibe. So I would definitely go for that one if you like it then go into the second episode, but also don't judge it too much because I really feel like you kind of need the third. And I feel like the second episode wasn't as oh, strong. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah. it'd have been interesting if they gave us three, but I get they're trying to spread out the weeks. Right. Of course. Um, all right. So that's it for Halo. It's on Paramount plus currently streaming. You can again, check out our full spoiler filled recaps over on our quick save segment. And uh, that's in the comic book nation feed. Uh, Brywood, uh, loyal Shan, loyal Shan, loyal fan to the show, Brywood, yes. <coughs> While we were having that discussion, Jurassic World, the next Jurassic World movie lost its director. David Leach, who did Deadpool 2, was signing on to do the next Jurassic World movie, but he was like, nah, creative differences. I don't like what you guys going on, and you don't like what I'm talking about, so he's out. All right. I don't care because I don't need this series to continue at all. I didn't even bother with the last one. Y'all made the movie about locusts. It's a dinosaur movie. Come on. Yeah, it was weird. Yeah. All right. But that happened. Now, turning to our final segment of the day. Connor, like I said, this is a thing that has rung out in the streets the loudest for me this week is everybody cannot figure out, come to any agreement yeah. on The Rock's big return to WWE if you have been living under a rock, uh, The Rock showed up to interrupt a kind of pivotal showdown between Cody Rhodes and Roman Reigns. May I may I kind of give everybody the yeah, recap? Yeah, you do. It. You're the, Since the last, last week, we were still talking about the Vince McMahon stuff. None of this had dropped yet. All of this has happened within the last seven days. So let me kind of give you the cliff notes as to what's going on and why some folks are mad. So 
Two years ago, Cody Rhodes comes back to WWE and he makes his first big announcement the night after he returns at WrestleMania. He says, I am here for one reason, and it is to win the WWE Championship, a title my father never got to hold. And it became the tagline, he would finish the story. Now, that led to WrestleMania 39 last year. He won the Royal Rumble. He earned a shot against Roman Reigns. And by all accounts, it seemed like he was finally going to be the one to end Roman's record-setting run as champion. He gets cheated out of the match in the final moments he loses he is then immediately pulled into a feud with brock lesnar roman gets to go off and continue his part-time schedule and people are holding out hope that there would be a rematch between cody and roman at this year's wrestlemania being wrestlemania 40 a big round number mania event so they try to make these ones a little bit bigger than if this were wrestlemania 36 or something so cody wins this year's Royal Rumble, being one of the very few people to ever win the 30-man match two years in a row. He ends the pay-per-view by pointing at Roman Reigns, who is sitting up in one of the skyboxes and just keeps shouting, you, it's you. And everyone takes that as, oh, so we're getting the rematch. Cody gets to, quote-unquote, finish his story. They even put Cody on the cover of WWE 2K24 and have the tagline of the video game be about finishing the story. They're, they're making this all so obvious that Cody versus Roman is going to happen, and they're excited. People are legitimately thrilled to see this because they have been following this story for a couple of years now, and it involves the biggest bad in the company and a legitimate top babyface, the number one guy that everybody wants to cheer for. Very simple. Last Friday, they decide to throw in some curveballs. Cody, having listened to Seth Rollins' argument for why he should challenge him for his title instead, even though a lot of the arguments didn't really hold water. Cody arrives on SmackDown. He looks at Roman Reigns and says, I still want your title. I still want to take everything from you. But I'm not going to do it at WrestleMania. And then he figuratively and literally bows out as The Rock arrives to seemingly give us Roman Reigns versus The Rock, a match that has been talked about since 2015 and rumored for the past three or four years of actually being a reality. Fans didn't take that very well. They thought that Cody looked like an absolute idiot for just being like, yeah, I, I could have the match with Roman, but hey, I'm just going to give it, let The Rock fight my battles for me instead. Both championships, the universal title and the world title, got buried in the process through comments made by both champions. And Cody's decision to be like, yeah, I could go for Seth's title, but I don't really care about it. But I'm also not going to go for Roman's title because fill in the blank, we don't get an answer. By Saturday... We Want Cody is trending to the point where I believe they got to a million tweets on a day where no wrestling was happening. Fans were losing their freaking minds about this. I see polls on Twitter where they're asking, which match do you want to see more? Do you want to see Cody versus Roman or do you want to see Rock versus Roman? It was like 80-20 Cody Roman. This was overwhelmingly going against what should be an obvious dream match. And no one was mad that Rock versus Roman had been announced. They were just disappointed. It was They were disappointed in the fact... Here's the thing. They were mad at the fact that it came at the expense of a guy that they had gotten invested in. Devoid of all context, Rock versus Roman, no one's got a problem with it. It's that you had to make your number one babyface look like an idiot in the process. That was the backlash to it. So then... 
Cody shows up on Monday on Raw, doesn't really get a chance to explain his actions, doesn't explain why the sudden change of heart, why give his shot to The Rock. He has a bull rope match with Shinsuke Nakamura. He wins. We go off the air. No one's got any more answers to this whole thing. But they announce a press conference in Las Vegas at the T-Mobile Arena, and they say that of the people who are going to be there, The Rock, Roman Reigns, Cody Rhodes, Seth Rollins. So we all look at this show last night. It was live streaming on Peacock. It was live streaming on YouTube. And all fans are suddenly like, okay, this is how we're going to get an answer. If they're going to change directions, this is where they got to do it. If they're going to stick with what they're apparently trying to do with Rock versus Roman and Cody off twiddling his thumbs in the corner, then they got to listen to the fans not be very happy about it in live action. So we get to the show itself. Seth comes out first, says, hey, I'm kind of tired of being the one stuck in the middle of all of this. I want Cody to come out here and explain his actions. But Cody doesn't come out. Roman Reigns comes out instead, and he says, you know what? I'm just going to pick The Rock as my opponent, completely ignoring the fact that on last SmackDown, by all indications, he didn't want to fight The Rock. Because Roman's whole thing this entire time has been, I'm the tribal chief, I'm the head of my family. And that has always rung hollow when someone else in your family is one of Hollywood's biggest actors. Then didn't the that math ain't mathin'. So at some point there was gonna have to be a collision between the two. Out comes the rock. After being on Pat McAfee earlier in the day and calling the fans that were rallying against Rock versus Roman, he were he had labeled them the Cody Crybabies. He then cuts a promo. The, the crowd is incredibly mixed to a surprising degree. Rock basically says, hey, if you don't like Rock versus Roman being the main event of WrestleMania 40, I don't care. And he then proceeds to pull up a PowerPoint presentation of his family tree, showing how many generations of pro wrestling uh, stars have been in his family and how this story goes back generations doesn't really but it works for this story cody then comes out basically ignoring what happened last friday and saying no sorry rock but i want roman he then invokes elder family members of the Anawaii family which sets rock off and pulls a will smith he says keep my family's name out your bleeping mouth slaps cody pull apart that's it triple h then puts up a logo that says hey Cody made his decision. So as of right now, it is Cody Rhodes versus Roman Reigns at WrestleMania 40. Where the hell does The Rock fit into this? Why was poor Seth Rollins even there? We don't have answers. But Kofi, you apparently witnessed mechanics fighting about this. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Where do, you, where do you stand on all of this? Well, first of all, I mean, all you wrestling types, you know, me and my buddy Adi Shankar were trying to tell you guys about this Cody Rhodes thing years ago. None of you listened. But here we are now. I think that I think I wrote in and I talked to Matt about this when it happened that what I saw from The Rock was uh, what I would call a heel turn distraction. You know, everybody's doing everything so we can get into that account and Kanto space where we do not talk about Vincent. Oh, no. No. So this in they it worked. So that that is one thing is that there is some debate about when this was actually planned. 
and how far back did this plan really go? Because the timing worked perfectly. The same week where all of the Vince stuff blow starts to blow up, here comes The Rock to join the TKO board of directors. And then a week later, it's let's try to divert all of the discussion away from the big Vince scandal, which isn't going anywhere, by the way, guys. And we're going to keep talking about it if more developments happen. But it was able to suck the oxygen out of that conversation and put it over into this one. Yeah, and that's what people are doing in the streets. They're not talking about Vince McMahon. They're talking about this. Um, the thing, I, I've actually thought The Rock should come back and do some wrestling for a long time. But I think where The Rock is now and what would be good for The Rock, and I think surprisingly and fun for the fans, is for The Rock to end up doing the one thing that nobody would ever expect The Rock to do, which is to have a humble ego in this take a fall, get knocked out, be mm. some surprise knockoff, you know, that leads and sets up this match in a more exciting way. Like, you know, do that kind of take that Ric Flair thing. And I'm sorry, I was watching that Netflix documentary this week. So it's just stuck in my head right now. Mm. Uh, the 30 for 30. Um, yeah. Do that Ric Flair thing, you know, be the sacrificial guy who sets up the other people. Nobody would expect that from the rock rock is like what we think about the rock right now is, is not the greatest look after the black Adam stuff is like, he's in his ego era. Yeah. Like, and, and people are criticizing him and, and saying that. And that whole Pat McAfee thing was like, yeah, that was the rock and every kind of negative impression we have of him right now. So if he does something and and lays down and, and, and you know, rolls out of the way or gets slammed out of the way and makes way for, to set that match up to be even bigger, mm. that would be something I would be surprised from the rock. And I think that would be a surprising twist in this whole thing. So you think he's deliberately playing into the public perception after the fallout of Black Adam? And turning it into this where it's like, yeah, I am the Hollywood corporate type that is coming in trying to throw my weight around yeah. and lose as a result. It, I think it would be smart if WWE did something like that. I think everybody needs to get more dangerous in media these days. I think Marvel needs to surprise kill somebody. I think that The Rock kind of getting knocked off and, and doing that would shock people. Mm -hmm. It would. like It would be visibly upsetting to wrestling fans to see that and to see somebody like Cody. And it would kind of pump Cody up to be more of a villainous status or Roman, whoever it is that would come in and, and, and handle it. Or if they just both turn on him or something yeah, like that. It's tricky because the way it, it ended, it ended with rock and Roman who we thought was going to be this big power struggle for control of their own family walking together in unison. Like they they're on the same side right now to where you go, are we setting up a tag team match? And that's been in the comments that we could be getting a tag team match. or could be something bigger than that where all all of them are involved, which isn't a bad idea for two reasons. One, they did call back in the at the start of the press conference. The very first WrestleMania was headlined by a tag team match. That in itself is OK. And you've got Seth, who poor guy, bad back. He's got a torn uh, MCL and partially torn meniscus. Maybe it's the other way around. Point is, one of his knees is gone, but he's still trying to power through and get to this main event match. And The Rock, bless him, dude's 51, and a couple of weeks ago, he he got into the ring to do one people's elbow and look blowed up, which is a wrestling term for way too exhausted. Yeah, I mean, when you're up there with Snoop Dogg's people elbow, you know. That's not good. When I mean, you're starting to look more like Snoop than The Rock. And uh, that was impromptu. So that that's that's kudos to uh to Snoop on that one. Oh yeah, no. I mean, I love Snoop wrestling. Don't yeah. get me wrong. Like I love that stuff. But um, yeah, I, I think 
But if I had, there's, I mean, there's a lot of ways you could do this. You could do a tag team match. You could do a tag team match where there's a betrayal, where mm. Cody and Roman end up fighting together. And you have a new storyline where they have an uneasy alliance that eventually collapses anyway and results in them still. Because that thing with them is still a thing we get to, mm. I feel like. It's just wrestling. There'll be a lot of twists and turns before the obvious thing to give fans what they want. It, it, so I, I thought maybe triple threat, maybe fatal four way, because the problem with Seth now is that he is way too intertwined in this to just now go off and do something with Drew and Sami Zayn in a match based around raw guys. He's kind of loped into this now to where he's got to be involved somehow. So here's my idea. I want them to pull a Vengeance 2001. And if you're a wrestling fan from the Attitude Era, you know what I'm about to reference. Rock versus Roman, night one for the Universal Championship. Elsewhere on the same night, Cody versus Seth for the World Heavyweight Championship. The winners of those two matches meet in the main event of night two, all the belts. I like it. I dig it. That's a good storyline to keep us propelled through WrestleMania. Yeah, I'm good. I, I think I know people have gotten upset, but, you know, just remember, this is getting upset for a reason. We're supposed to get upset. Uh, and it certainly worked. Yeah, the streets are out here talking about wrestling in a way I have not seen in a long time. Yeah, I was just out babbling, get my oil changed, and that whole garage was arguing about whether Cody is getting screwed and is this the match we want to see. So hopefully they do big numbers. But um, I get why The Rock is coming back in behind the scenes. There is a concerted effort from that whole 2000s generation of WWE wrestlers who are now like in executive positions and stuff to secure the future of this business and kind of get it into their hands fully. And I'm not surprised to see The Rock kind of hovering around for that. So we'll see. All I know is all of a sudden... WrestleMania has become a much bigger watch event than it was just seven days ago. Yeah. So don't talk about any of the Vince stuff. Just talk about this. Don't look over but, there. But, don't you look over there. But but still talk about the Vince stuff. Uh, it's no. a federal case. This yeah, should be important. Yeah, it's nuts. And I made the mistake after our last show where you had, where Connor had a very excellent breakdown about that whole situation. I made the mistake of going on Reddit and looking at it. And now my soul is never the same. Mm -mm. So yeah. Oh, and that's also why Brock Lesnar isn't here anymore. Oh yeah. That got sad. So There's for, a lot of so sad for the folks in, there. in the, I don't see anybody in the comments doing it, but I've seen it on Twitter for the folks who are arguing. This was always the plan. Uh, Seth was supposed to fight punk. Punk got hurt. Brock was supposed to have a prominent match and he's uh persona non grata right now. So if you're telling me that this was all the plan from say January 1st, you're lying. No, but what I did come out of this wondering, and this is my final thought is this was put together in like the scale of what they put together is does WWE have like a, an emergency breaking glass protocol for something like this, that it is like rock has a secret WWE bat phone and they're just like, epsilon alpha it's time and like and you're like oh boy i mean they've always got backup plans and honestly some of the best stuff in wrestling is when their number one option gets taken off the board and they got to figure out something else stone cold steve austin does not become the star he is if certain things didn't happen right before to where suddenly they had to start relying on new people yeah all right well we're gonna find out and uh you can be sure we are gonna be all over this wrestling coverage because we have been since the beginning That'll do it for this show. This is our regular live show of Comic Book Nation, the show that does it all for geek culture. As we said at the start, we are an entire nation of podcasts, subjects, conversations, and highlights. 
This week alone, we have put out the pull list, our comic focus segment where we talk about the biggest comic book events of the week. Used to be on this live show, but now it had to become its own thing. We have no less than three of our new quick save gaming segments. One that is breaking down the crazy deal between Disney and Epic Games for a Disney Fortnite universe, which is going to be a game changer in a big way. And two episodes, each recapping in full spoiler details, the first two episodes of Halo Season 2. Plus the live show. Plus people now in the hallway talking about something. We're going to get out of here. This is Comic Book Nation, the only show that does not for geek culture. Peace. Later.